If you have a Bible, you can open it to Matthew 27. If you do not have a Bible, uh, there's some there in the pew. And uh, if you need a Bible, you can take that one that is in the rack in front of you home with you. And if you're using that Bible, we're going to be on page 997. That's 997. So um, you have a copy of God's Word. If you didn't bring one, you can use that one. That would be great. We're going to talk about the death of death today because what Jesus did took care of death for all of us. And uh, we, want to, we want to see that. Uh, as the choir's coming down, I want, to, I want to ask you a trivia question, see if you know the answer. I'm going, to, I'm going to read a list of celebrities or well-known people, and I want you to know or answer, what do these people have in common? Uh, Kanye West, James Franco, Matt Damon, J.K. Rowling, Will Smith, Ellen DeGeneres, and James Gordon. What do they all have in common? They were all canceled in 2022. Y'all ever heard of cancel culture? We, we, li- we live in a country, uh, and, and if you don't know what cancel is, you are blessed, okay? Uh, somebody's uh, taking that word and giving it a new meaning. If, if you don't, here's what can't being canceled means. It's a, it's a phenomenon in our country. It's kind of dying a little bit, but, but it's where... Someone expresses an opinion, and, and you can express opinions all day, but usually these people are some sort of celebrity or spokesperson or someone that, that gets quoted a lot, and they adopt an idea or attitude or they say something that someone else doesn't like, and so that person goes to great lengths to silence the one they don't agree with. That's called being canceled, uh, and, and, uh, and it can hurt uh, some people. They want to discredit them. And, but I want you to understand something as a believer. That's been happening to Christians since Jesus was here. That is the goal of our enemy. John 15, 18. Jesus warned us about this. He said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you're of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, we could cancel you. We could say that, maybe. See, the most amazing fact of history has been under attack since before it happened. We we have an enemy. I don't know if you're aware of this as believers in Christ. We have an enemy that's been at war with God since before the world was even created. The Bible tells us a little bit about that, that, uh, that Satan rebelled, that there were a bunch of angels that rebelled. We can't get into all the details of that, but we, we find in Scripture all of this. And so... Satan, in his anger, came to man in the Garden of Eden and caused him to sin. To just break a law God had given him. It was a simple law. Uh, You know, the the little pickup truck in the animated movie Cars? You only had one thing to do. What was that? To not to, right? That's all Adam had to do was not eat one tree. He could eat all the fruit off of every other tree, but just not that one. And so, of course, he was drawn to that one, and Satan led him there, and man fell. And Satan thought he had won. Satan had hurt the image bearers called humans, and he had caused the image of God to be marred in us. And it took God becoming a man so that he looked like us, taking all the sin of all men of all time on himself, dying in our place because God had said... If you sin, if you break my laws, you deserve death. 
That's every sin. The mildest sin to the grossest sin deserves death. In fact, the Bible tells us you don't have to sin to be a sinner. You were born that way. We are born because of Adam in that image of Adam, and we are already sinners. And so Jesus came, looked like us, took our sin, went to the cross, and he died in our place. And they buried him. And you already told me you believe he got up out of there. You see, the Bible says, Paul says in Corinthians, if the spiritual rulers of the dark world that we can't see had known he was going to come back from the dead, they'd have never killed him. Because when Jesus did that for us, we can now be adopted by God into his family, become a brother to Christ. We can become a child of God. And the Bible goes on to tell us that we can be changed into that image of Jesus day by day by day until he's done with us and we go home and then we'll be exactly like him for we'll see him as he is. And so the image can be restored. We will be perfect image bearers once again. And so understanding that, that there is a war against the resurrection, but I want you to take this home with you today. Jesus' resurrection can't get canceled. (laughs) It just, it cannot be canceled. It's a fact of history. Now, I know you, we got a lot of people in here today. So, I just won't won't tell you that's coffee. All right. So, at least you know that. You won't have to wonder all day, what's he drinking out of that black mug? It's coffee. What else would you drink? I mean, that's the, that's the drink of, never mind. But, but. But you may have come in today and you don't regularly go to church. Maybe you came because someone invited you. Maybe you felt obligated to go. Whatever. I'm glad you're here. I I don't care why you're here. I'm glad you're here. That's not my point. But my point is that some of you may wonder, do they really believe that this dude got up out of a grave and that he's still alive? I mean, is that even possible? Is there any evidence for it? Boy, I hear that all the time. Well, you people are crazy. There's no evidence for that. Well, Actually, people that have tried to disprove this, many of them have become believers because when you look at the evidence, the only conclusion you can come to is Jesus rose from the dead. And so I want to talk about that in Matthew 27. First thing I want you to see is verses 62 to 66 in Matthew 27. And if you're on page 992 like I am, here's what it says. And we'll get this outline and I'll tell you a little bit what, what he's telling us. The next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests, the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he is risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Have you ever noticed that the liars are always the one lying? Anyway, Pilate said to them, verse 65, you have a guard of soldiers, go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. I want you to notice there's three ways they tried to foolproof Jesus rising from the dead. We'll just look at them in in the order of there's first a stone. They didn't bury like we buried and dig a hole. They would put them in a cave that was put there for that or, or was dedicated to that. And, and they would roll a stone at the entrance because you know what happens to a body after it's been dead a while, especially in a hot climate. And so they would seal that tomb, that opening with a large stone. That's just what they did with Jesus. They laid him in it, either a, a man-made cutout one or one that was naturally there, 
laid him in a tomb, and it was a borrowed tomb. It was somebody else's. They didn't have anywhere to put him. So this guy donated it, and they roll a huge stone in front of it so nobody could get in or out, and that, and that he would be safe in there. So the stone is there. It's in the way, and it's a heavy stone. You, you're not going to roll it away simply. In fact, the Bible lets us know that as the women were going there on Sunday morning, they were asking each other, who are we going to get to get the stone out of the way? Why were they going? They didn't even, they didn't even remember Jesus said he's going to rise from the dead. You know, his disciples didn't remember this. It's odd to me that the people that wanted to cancel Jesus are the people that remembered. He said he's going to rise on the third day. Right? I, I, the Pharisees in the Bible, that's what these religious hypocrites are called. They're, they keep the letter of the law. Man, if it said do this, that's how they did it. It's always just fascinated me that in the face of the truth, they would rather believe a lie. But I found out that a lot of people are that way because there's something about the truth that's going to cause something to happen in their life. Like they might have to change. They might have to change their mind. They might have to change their actions. And these Pharisees go to Pilate and say, hey, this guy said he was going to rise from the dead in three days. We need that thing secure. And he said, here's a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. And so they sealed that stone. They put a government seal on it, like putting do not trespass tape, police crime scene. If you break that tape, you're in trouble. Now, that's, not, that's physically easy to get through, but the stone is not. So you got a stone. You've got a political seal on it. They've got an official government seal on the thing. Seal, put it on there, marked by the Roman officials. This stone removed under penalty of law. Some of you still have tags on your mattress that say that. <laughs> You're afraid somebody's going to come arrest you if you tear the tag off, right? Well, can you imagine having this stone at a grave where the government seal says, don't open this. Because if you do, you're going to subject yourself to death. And thirdly, there was a guard. Now, the Bible just says a guard. I, I read up on this. I wasn't there. I don't know exactly. But by what I read, here's what I understand. That this was a group of 16 men. It's a team of 16 men. These are tier one guys. These are, these are, these are your Delta Force, your SEALs, your, your Raiders. This is your, your Parajumpers. Uh, th these are the bad of the bad. And they took four-man shifts. Because if one out of 16 falls asleep, they are all put to death. I want you to understand that. It's going to come real important. Third point of this sermon, okay? And so they didn't sleep. They stayed awake. And Jesus is in the tomb. A rock, a seal, a guard. There is not a little group of women or now 11 disciples who are in an upper room shaking and scared out of their minds that they are next. Going to go in there and try to get Jesus out. No way, no how. So, that was the attempt to keep Jesus in the grave. But I want you to hear the truth about what happens in the resurrection. Go on to the next chapter, chapter 28, still on page 992. And beginning in verse 1, I'm going to read these 10 verses. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Two women named Mary. Mary Magdalene uh, was, was a woman who was caught up in a lot of sin and Jesus cast demons out of her and, and forgave her of her sins and she got cleaned up and she became one of his closest followers. And 
the other Mary, which could have been his mother, and I would suspect that it is, went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the, an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the, back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go into Galilee and there they will see me. I want you to catch some things out of this part of, of this story. First of all, <clears throat> the women didn't expect him to be alive. How do I know that? When Jesus died on the cross, it was a Friday afternoon. The next day is the Sabbath day, which Jewish people, especially these Pharisees I've been complained about, sometimes we get kind of like the Pharisees too, so... I'm knocking them, but actually we do the same things a lot. And, and, uh, and the law was that, that a, a Jewish person, a man can't hang on a cross on the Sabbath day. In the sense, the Jews are the ones that asked him to be killed. They, they got to get him down, get him in a grave. And so they, would, they didn't mummify bodies like they did in Egypt, but they would wrap the body up and sprinkle spices in those wrappings. And there'd be a separate face cloth. The Egyptians wrapped the whole body. They'd wrap up to the neck and then cover the head with a different cloth. Well, they, had to, they were in a hurry. They had to get it done. They had to borrow a tomb. They wrap him up. They get a few spices in there and they put him in. But the spices they used weighed close to 300 pounds is what researchers tell me. And so the women, since they did a rush job on Friday, couldn't do anything on Saturday. They're going Sunday morning, the first day of the week. To go and unwrap him and rewrap him to make sure they did it right. So they're carrying spices, asking themselves, as we read in other gospels, who's going to roll the stone? They didn't expect to see a living guy. They expect to see a dead guy. Okay. I just I want you to catch that. <laughs> but what did they find when they got there? They found an earthquake. A stone rolled back. And a cotton-picking angel sitting on it. <laughs> now, that just got to freak you right out, right? First of all, the earthquake. Just recently, I heard about some geological research that has proven there was an earthquake about this time. In, that, in those days. There's so many things to say around that earthquake, but we're going to leave it alone. The guards are knocked out. I mean, if an angel came down and just, you know, I don't know if they just turned up the energy or what, you know, knocked them out. I don't know what they did, but they were out like a light. When they came to, they just took off running. And so when the women get there, an earthquake's happened, the stone is rolled away, and the angel's sitting on the top. I got a good question for you. Did that stone have to get rolled away for Jesus to get out? The answer is, nope, it did not. In fact, we don't think Jesus walked out of the tomb. That's the only way we portray it in movies and stories. But 
in John, when you read about this, and John was one of the first disciples to get to the tomb, not the first person, that was the women, that he found all those cloths just sunk down in place. The Bible says they were just there, and the face cloth was the right distance from the, from the head part of it, lying there, and they were all lying flat. In other words, Jesus just went through those cloths, through the rock, out the side, and he's gone. He's gone. His body left. The angel came down and kicked the stone out of the way so you could go in and see he ain't there no more. He's just gone. And so these women come, and they didn't expect him to be alive. But, but think about that angel. How cool of an angel is this? Like, poof, all right, they'll be here in a minute. Kind of, I don't know how he got up on I don't know if they can just float up. I guess they can. He just floats up and sits back and chills. Like, if he was an angel like me, he'd been drinking coffee. You know, like, they'll be here in a minute. How cool is that? Like he's not standing there going, you know, he's just sitting on the stone like, took y'all long enough. <laughs> you know, if you had remembered he said he was going to rise from the dead, wouldn't you have tried to sneak up there to see it happen? That would have been cool, but no, they, they didn't do that. All right. So, so these women go, but notice what the angel says and what Jesus says to the women. This is more unusual than you would imagine. The angel said, go and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead. He's going before you. In other words, he's, he's on his feet. He's going to meet you in Galilee. And then as the women turn to go away, Jesus appears to them. And we have different stories about that throughout the Gospels. But there's these women and he tells them, go and tell the disciples. You know why that's odd? Because what is the good news? The good news is when we testify as if in a court of law that Jesus rose from the dead and we actually believe that and that he died for our sins, was buried for our sins, rose again for our sins because he made the agreement, then he became the lawyer to enforce the agreement. That's in Timothy. Paul wrote about that. He said he is our advocate. He's our lawyer that made sure this new covenant, this new testament in his blood would go into force. He's the one that guarantees it's going to happen. The Bible says he's the author and finisher, the alpha and the mega of our faith. Well, in their day, a woman's testimony in a court of law meant nothing. Women were considered as nothing. And if you went to testify in court, you were not to be believed. Now, I know a lot of people like, oh, those Christians, they like to keep women down. That's weird because the first people Jesus appeared to were women. The first people he committed the message to go tell were women. And thankfully, at least John and Peter believed them enough to go check it out for themselves. I think that's cool. I think it's very cool that a woman is the one who first preached the gospel. He's alive. He's up. We've seen him. You got to go check it out. For yourself. You see, when they get there, the tomb is empty, and that's the proof. Why, why is that the proof? Well, we're going to see later that these same Pharisees paint themselves into a corner. In fact, let's read the next section, and, and, and I want to answer that question. Look at verses 11 to 15 in chapter 28. 
And while they were going, who's they? The women. Some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all had taken place. Why didn't they go to their commanding officer? You ever thought about that? They went to the priest because they knew the priest is the ones that paid it off for them to be there. And so we better go tell them because remember what I said? If one of them fell asleep, they all get to die. So they're going to the priest going, guys, we were there. We don't know what happened, but we were knocked out. When we woke up, the stone was away. He was gone. And we came running to you. And they said, what do they say? And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers. Hush money. Didn't somebody just go to court over that? Anyway. And said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were all asleep. Now, either they didn't understand how this military thing worked. Or they said, don't worry about it. Here's money. You'd lie. We'll pay off your commanders and it'll be okay. And that's what they did. And if it comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money, did as they were directed, and this story is spread among the Jews to this day. They're still saying the disciples snuck in there at midnight, killed tier one military guys, or or put them to sleep somehow, choked them all out, rolled the stone away, stole the body, and got away with it. That didn't happen. That is... That is, I won't say impossible, but it's highly improbable that could ever happen. But just turn it around. The Jewish people don't want, the Jewish leaders don't want Jesus to be alive. The Roman government doesn't want Jesus to be alive because they were having all kinds of guys popping up, creating rebellions, and they thought Jesus was like them, so they they, they didn't want him alive. And the disciples were too scared to go. And all they had to do when Peter started preaching and John started preaching and James started preaching and Bartholomew started preaching and all the other disciples started preaching. All they had to go with, uh-uh, here's the body. We got it. You think 11 men scared to death in the upper room hid that body so good they couldn't find it? No. All they had to do was show the body. The Roman government could have said, nope, he's alive. You might as well quit preaching. The, 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 the Jews could have said, no, we, he, he, he's, he's not alive. See, we got the body. This is not weekend at Bernie's. The, the, <laughs> he was dead. Now he's alive. And they don't know what to do with that. You say, well, maybe the, I'm, I choose to believe that those 11 fishermen and, and a tax collector and some other odds and ends did sneak in without military training, took a tier one team down, got the body out, and they hid it so good nobody ever found it. All 11 of them except John were tortured and crucified or killed in violence. And they just let John live till he died of old age at almost 100. You will die for the truth. You will not die for a lie. And when they started persecuting them and killing them, they could have, they hey, got, uh-uh, nah. Yeah, you're right. Gigs up. We had a good run. We made a lot of money preaching. They didn't make a lot of money, but, you know, we had a good run of it. But you're right. We stole the body. You got us. Ha ha. You don't have to kill us. We won't preach that anymore. But in Acts, when they preach and they're arrested and beaten for it, they said, now don't say it anymore. We'll beat you again. They said, listen, to obey men or to obey God is no choice for us. We're going to obey God. We cannot help but speak about that which we've seen and heard. They didn't steal the body. They went and saw an empty tomb and knew that he was alive. Then he started appearing to them. 
And he appeared, the Bible says, to 500 men at one time, 500 people at one time. That cannot be a mass delusion. Again, research shows you can create a delusion amongst a small group of people, but not 500. You can't fool 500 people at one time, ever. Jesus is alive by the evidence and by the proof. So the officials bribe and they lie. But why do people not want to believe it? Well, I've already told you. It's because if Jesus is alive, i got to do something about that. See, I don't have to do a thing about the teachings of Buddha. Because when I die, they ain't going to make a difference. I don't have to do anything about the teachings of Islam. Because their God is arbitrary. You could be the best Muslim in the world. And when you die, he could say, "Eh, I just didn't like you. You can go on to hell. I'm not going to take you to heaven. It doesn't matter what Kung Fu Say said or one of the billions of gods that Hindus worship. Because they're either not real gods or they're dead. Every poet, every politician, every leader, every military person alive in that day is still dead. But he's alive. And if we're going to believe he's alive, that means my life has to change. And I have to say, I'm standing in a fork in the road. And either Jesus is who he said he was. He died on the cross for my sin, was buried, rose again, and is fixing to come back. And I'm going to follow him because he is king of kings and lord of lords. Or I'll go my own way and die and go to hell. That's your choice. You say, well, I believe Jesus was a good man. Can't be. He said he was the son of God. He said you will die in your sins without his sacrifice. And so he can't be a good man because he'd have been lying. Or he was just crazy and we all believed him. But we still can't explain how he got out of the tomb. Except that he rose again. It is the only possibility left. It has to be true. So what are you going to do with that? You see, Jesus is the answer regardless of the question. Are you with me? Jesus is the answer regardless of the question we're asking. I want to I steal a story. I don't know if the guy I heard tell it stole it. it, it it's not a story. It's a made-up story, but it's kind of cool. It kind of drives home the point. A guy named Alistair Begg is who I heard say it. He's a great pastor here in America, but he's from Scotland. Love to listen to him, just hear his accent. But here's what he said. He said, the preaching of the cross to ourselves, that we have to do that every day and all day long. We got to keep reminding ourselves of the resurrection, the cross and the resurrection. Because if we don't, we will slip back into adding works to grace. And here's how he illustrated that. to, To keep from adding works to grace, it's grace alone. There's a great question we ask people, and it's this. If you were to die right now and and you were to stand before God, and if he were to ask you, the Bible doesn't say he's going to ask this question, but if he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And here's what I want to tell you. Any answer in the first person, you're in trouble. If you say, I believed, I was baptized, I went to church, I prayed, I read my Bible, I did the best I could. I tried to follow you. That's a mess. You got to answer in the third person. It's something someone else did. Let let me illustrate it. 
You know, there were two men that died on either side of Christ, right? And, and one said, Lord, remember when you can't come into my kingdom. Remember that? I want to find that guy in heaven and ask him, how'd you, how'd you pull that off, man? Because there you are, hanging on a cross, a thief, ready to die. You, 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 your friend on the other side is cussing Christ. And I can only assume you, you, you cussed him a little bit too. But then for some reason, you saw something different. How did that work out? I mean, imagine that guy showing up in heaven. And, and, and some angel looks at him and says, how'd you get here? And he goes, I don't know. And the angel says, do, 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 do you know anything? I mean, do, do you know about baptism? No, what's that? Do you know about church membership? No, you don't know anything about that either. Then, then, then how did you make it? He says, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, I don't know. I told you, I just don't know. And the angel says, wait a minute, let me get my supervisor. So supervisor angel comes over. And he looks at him and he says, let, let, let's just start with this. Are you clear on the grand doctrine of sanctification by faith? And the guy said, I've never heard of that in my life. He says, the supervisor said, let's just cut to the chase. Let's, let's go straight to, to Scripture. Do you believe the doctrine of, of the infallibility of Scripture? And the guy's just staring at him. I, I don't know. And eventually, in frustration, the superior angel says, how did you get here? He said, the guy on the middle cross said I could come. That's it. That's the gospel. If you come to him and say, I want to go with you. He says, come on. There, you can come in. The only answer we have to that fictitious question, but one to consider. Why should we go into heaven? The answer is we should not. But the guy on the middle cross said I could come in. And that's it. I took him at his word and found him to be true. In fact, right there in Matthew 28, I don't know if you ever noticed, we love starting the quoting at verse 18, and all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. But did you ever notice what it said in 17? When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. The guys looking at Jesus, risen from the dead, doubted. I really don't get that one. I might scared? Yeah, I get that. Doubted? Uh, no. Because they could have touched him. So if you got some doubts, you're in good company. But Jesus can take away your doubts. You say, I'm, I'm too bad to be saved. Listen, Jesus doesn't want you to get clean. He wants you to come to him and let him save you. If there's something in your life that needs to change, he'll change it. Mary Magdalene, this woman, she had been a, a, probably a prostitute. And Jesus forgave her and cleansed her and healed her. It doesn't matter our sin. It matters about our Savior. Amen. 2 Corinthians 15 says this. When the perishable puts on the imperishable 
and the mortal puts on immortality. Then will come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our work in the Lord is not in vain. What were the commands to the disciples? Go, tell. The commands to the women, go, tell. That's the only thing we're supposed to be about, is going and telling the wonderful message of Christ and helping people know him. So I've got a new question for you now. What is the testimony of your heart and mind concerning Christ? Do you know him? Or do you just know about him? Has he saved you? Or are you still trying to save yourself? Are you surrendered? Or are you struggling? We surrender ourselves to Christ. And he helps us in every other thing that we face. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we celebrate today the fact you're alive. In fact, so many times, even though we claim to know you, and even though we have known you for a long time, we get lethargic, we get anemic, we get, we get comfortable with something that is incomprehensible to a human mind, except once we're saved, we know it's real. Once we become your follower, we know that everything you said there is real and we begin to understand. And we'll spend the rest of our time on this planet understanding more and more and more and growing and growing and growing until the day you're done with us here and then you take us to heaven where our knowledge and our experience will be made complete. Lord God, today there are probably people here that don't really have a relationship with you. They've either given up given in or they just have never wanted to know you at all there are Christians who may be struggling not understanding that the power of God is residing in them to overcome all things that need to be overcome so God what a great day for them to surrender to you Lord I can't talk them into it none of us could do that but you said you'd send the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and convince us of righteousness and judgment to come. And so, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit right now, the Holy Spirit would, we ask you to, to, to ask him to move in our hearts and our lives. That the believer will come closer and, and realize more exactly what it is you did for us. And that those who don't know you yet will get to meet you today. And find out you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are a savior. You, are, you, you will become our best friend. But, but that doesn't mean anything unless you're the king. And you are the king of kings and lord of lords. And yet you want us to come to you and be part of who you are. Part of your family. And so Lord I just pray that those who don't know you right now will want you. And those who do know you will want to know you better. Pastor Andy's playing a song right now. I'm going to ask you if, if you have a need. I'm going to stand right here at the front, down here on the floor. And if you have a need, you can come talk to me. There are plenty of people here who can help you. 
But if you want to say something to me or ask for some help, I'll be glad to help you. There's plenty of room around this, this place I'm standing to, for you to kneel and pray. If you just, man, you feel God moving you, you want, to, you want to make it serious and you want to come down and kneel and pray, you do that. But I pray you will not leave without a better understanding of Christ and that you will not leave without Him. That you will let Him come into your life and change you.